I guess mm. I live by the view of um, the social model of disability, which which says that it's not really my impairment or my lack of being able to do something that is the problem. It's rather society and how society is designed is what um, brings me the challenges that I face every day. From somewhere around the world, welcome to the Black Women Travel Podcast. Hi, my name is Wanda Duncan, and I'm so glad you're joining me as we explore the paths of Black women who've made travel a large part of their lives. Welcome to the show. Hey loves, it's Wanda, the host of the Black Women Travel Podcast. I'd like to invite you to become a patron of the Black Women Travel Podcast. There are a few budget-friendly tiers you can choose from so that as a community, we can continue to heal, ask for what we deserve, get it, and inspire the next generation. Tap the link in the show notes and choose a monthly contribution that suits you. I'm so excited about the episodes you'll hear that will nudge you to love yourself deeper and take more action in your life from that empowered place. Please consider becoming a monthly subscriber through patreon.com slash bwtpod. Get ready to hear another great episode. Thank you so much for joining us today. Can you please tell us your name, where you're from, your current location, and the name of your business? Yeah, so my name is Elvie. I'm uh, from London, the UK, and I'm currently in London at the moment. Um, I don't really have a business, but I've just um, started a blog called Elvie's Blog. Um, it's at elviesblog.com, and it's basically... Um, me wanting to share my story about being a disabled black woman, um, my experience of like disabled travel and living with a disability. Um, I think that story is not really kind of shared widely. There's not a lot of um, kind of knowledge about how people maneuver, travel, live generally normal lives. So yeah, so that's kind of the kind of thing I'm going for. Yeah, that absolutely is a business. <laughs> um, you may not feel like it yet because uh, I took a look and so you have one post out and it's about a trip yeah. you took to San Francisco. Um, yeah. So while it's new, it's still yes. real. You have it out there. <laughs> which It is, just started. Yeah, yeah, which is an important step, right? Um, keeping mm-hmm. that momentum going is the next, but getting started yeah. <laughs> a lot of people don't exactly that, make it that that's definitely that was a difficult bit and like getting to terms with like how to make a website and I, th- I found that really difficult and quite um demotivating but I think once I forced myself to actually fix the website now I'm kind of like okay it looks good I can really start you know all these ideas are flowing out and all these posts are kind of in draft ready to go so it, yeah, it definitely feels like the hardest bit for me, which was like the boring bit of having to sit down and create it is done and then let's get going. 
I totally get why a lot of people use Squarespace or even Wix because um, yeah. it just seems like so much more user friendly than like WordPress. Yeah. You do have to put yeah. in some like Google research <laughs> hours <laughs> with WordPress. I was literally on like YouTube for dummies. I was like website making for dummies and yeah. pause, move that, pause, you know, so yeah. Yeah, it can be. It can be a barrier to entry, but congratulations, you did it. <laughs> Thank you. So um, the post was really, really good. So you have a one hit wonder right now. <laughs> as far as I can <laughs> see. Yeah, you're just really thorough. So in the post, LV, you talk about um, from your leaving London all the way through to you're getting back on a plane to go back to London every mm -hmm. single step. And it just yeah. seems you have to really, really plan. You have to really think ahead a lot in order to make sure that like you just won't be stuck. Yeah, um, absolutely. I think, um, so I guess it might maybe be a bit helpful to give a bit of a background about my disability and how it affects me to kind of give a bit of context. And so um, so I've got a condition called muscular dystrophy, which is a kind of muscle wasting condition, which means that very gradually my muscles get um, quite weak. So um, how kind of we all have protein in our muscles and mine doesn't have a certain, my muscles don't have a certain element of proteins, which makes me a lot weaker than the average person. So um, over time from being able to walk to about the age of 12, I kind of got weaker in that sense. And then I've had to start using an electric wheelchair. So that's to kind of just give context to when I say a woman with a disability, that's, so I use an electric wheelchair full time. Um, and so I think travel you know how that affects my travel or everyday life is such a big big part and um I guess I live by the view of um the social model of disability which which says that it's not really my impairment or my lack of being able to do something that is the problem it's rather society and how society is designed is what um, brings me the challenges that I face every day. So, you know, I'm very lucky in the sense that I live in an adapted flat, which means I'm able to live fully independently by myself and do everything. But if I was in an environment where I didn't have that, which I have experienced before, it's very limiting and therefore I can't do so many things. Um, and when I talk about this, I kind of try and get people to imagine it and flip it the other way. So if I said... If I said to people, um, you know, imagine a world where we're all wheelchair users and we all use wheelchairs and the world is designed in this way and you're that one person who doesn't use a wheelchair and you have the, and, and you know, just bearing in mind disability is so varied and there's so many levels and abilities, but just in this context um, of using a wheelchair and you're that one person that doesn't use a wheelchair and so we've designed a world for us where the ceilings are lower because we're all sitting and all our cars don't have chairs. So you can't really travel in our car because you need a seat and no, no cars are designed with seats or you can't really get into a building comfortably because all our ceilings are lower 
and you have to kind of get on your knees so you can get into these buildings or all our doors are automated so they sense the motion of a wheel but because you walk it doesn't sense that you're walking so the doors won't open for you so you're kind of stranded and have to rely on you know um someone coming with you so you can have access to things and and you therefore become disabled in that sense because the environment isn't designed to include you um and so i think that's kind of the view that i adopt and just to kind of share that with people in the sense of when i travel the limitations i experience aren't necessarily because of what i can or cannot do but it's how the world around me is designed so i have to plan and think about and preempt all these kind of barriers that i might face when i'm traveling so access to bathrooms access in the um hotel um do they have adapted transport links and and kind of all those all those things that is extremely interesting it's not by virtue of your physical state the disabled part comes with how you're able to interact with the environment around you that's what yeah. makes it feel disabling is because it's not built for you yeah absolutely and it, and it's people's attitudes as well it's it's you know when you go to a new restaurant and there's a step um and you say oh can you get a ramp and and sometimes people are just like no we don't have one and we're not planning to get one it's it's also that you know people aren't i don't know if it's an ignorance or an unawareness but people don't you know they don't think about this they don't include this like they don't yeah so it's it's not necessarily for me it's not me that's the problem it's society and people's you know inclusion and thinking about everyone people are just kind of used to the square box that is already functioning and not thinking around it and how to expand that or change that shape so do you know of any people that are at the front of a movement trying to be more vocal about more accessibility yeah there's like a few people um who I follow like on Twitter there's there's a lady called Simply Emma she does a lot of blogs about accessibility and there's um this like organization there's loads of organizations like in London or on the UK that I know of I'm, I'm not as knowledgeable internationally but like there's scope and tra- a transport for everyone who really do try and challenge like policy and you know um the higher powers that be around making things accessible um generally like transport wise building wise and infrastructure but then you know that that kind of reach international on an international level is maybe i'm not as aware of mm-hmm. yeah what was your experience like so you're a kid doing kid stuff and yeah. you're gradually less mobile Do you remember that time in your life? Yeah, it was um so as a, as a child I always because I was always weaker anyway. It was always like um kind of always having a bit of difficulty being interactive in terms of sports and stuff, but 
if I'm honest, like I'm very lucky in the sense that I've always had good people and good friends around me. So I was never picked on. I was never bullied about it. I was, and people around me, my friends always, and my siblings and my family were always quite happy to adapt to me and not make it a thing. And I think a really um, like pivotal moment was, so as a kid, I grew up um, in Kenya. So I'm, I'm half Kenyan, half Polish. And um, we grew up in Kenya and I was born there until I was about 12. And then we moved to the UK. And that moment especially was when I first started having to use a wheelchair. So it was really odd timing because it was like all my Kenyan friends, for example, my Kenyan experience was me being able to walk and being physical, although that was really deteriorating and it was becoming more and more difficult and more exhausting. And then like this new life and a new environment, it was like, okay, and then I have to start this new life as the girl in the wheelchair. And that was quite, um, yeah, it was quite an experience. It was like quite, it almost felt like a loss of like, I'm a different person. And I think I really had to go through almost like a grieving process of, you know, this is my new identity and what does that mean? And how does that look for me? But in terms of like, the social support and love I had, it was amazing. I mean, in my, my new school, they embraced me. They, they were great. I was really well liked and really popular. And, and like I say, I'm very lucky. I never had any difficulties because of it. It's almost like I even had better quality people around me because of my disability. Cause it was kind of more, yeah, maybe more authentic people. So it, we it hasn't been, a, sorry. Yeah, I was just going to say, weeded out those the dorks. Definitely. <laughs> yeah, exa- absolutely. That's so accurate. And I always say that it's like a bit of a, it's always a bit of a barrier for certain type of people. And then the people that do get through are way, way more, you know, authentic and like have very high quality people. So, so yeah, it wasn't a bad experience at all, like in terms of the people around me, but it was definitely a process to come to terms with the change. Was there anything like um, that helped you? You said you had to go through a grieving process. Like, did your parents kind of see that, and where did they have the resources or the um, know-how to be able um, to support you in that way? Well, I I think so. My dad um, had the same condition as me, and unfortunately, he died when I was about nine years old. So um, it was just kind of my mom and my siblings, and I got my diagnosis when I was in the UK. And there was the offer then for like speaking to someone about it. But I mean, I was young, I was 12, 13, and it's such an awkward age to have this brand new life-changing information and what does that mean? So my mom was amazing and tried to be as supportive, and my siblings too, as supportive as they could be. Um, But I was kind of in the mindset of, I'm the one going through this, I'm just going to deal with it in whatever way I can and I and my coping mechanism was to just not talk about it for years and years and years until I think I went to university and that's when I kind of started dealing with it and then after I went to therapy and spoke about it but it was just a a very good few years of not talking about it to the point where I think I realized when I was in therapy I realized actually some of my 
long-term friends who have been friends with, you know, since high school don't probably don't even know what my condition is or why I'm in a wheelchair. You know, it was to that extent where I just could not even talk about it. And I was so angry at some points and then came through to the other side of being sad and then, you know, embrace understanding it and embracing it um, and accepting it and being proud of it. So yeah <laughs> that sounds that sounds like life <laughs> that sounds like yeah. yeah things that absolutely a lot of us have to go through regarding yeah. things um yeah it, it can be difficult to speak about the things that we don't know how to speak about it's just like i don't know what to make of this um, yeah i went on a little twitter rant talking about okay. the privacy of black women yeah, a lot of times the names are fake. There's no profile photo or it's like a super distant photo. Um, right. A lot of times the accounts are just private. Mm-hmm. And I understand that um, being a black woman in the yeah. digital world can be vicious. Yeah. But somebody was talking about stuff like, you know, I don't want to share if I have mm-hmm. a boyfriend. Like I'm not sharing pictures of my boyfriend on the Internet because mm-hmm. like, what if we break up because he's a fuck boy and it's just like okay but <laughs> fuck boys exist <laughs> like we've all yeah. had one like <laughs> yeah. yeah they they are a plenty like you're not the yeah. only but yeah. i don't know we maybe we're evolving in in that conversation in some ways where mm-hmm. if we have a space where we're able to do that because of course yeah. you can put your body like on the line, but yeah, but hopefully we come to a place where we are able to have more of these conversations. Our daughters definitely need to hear these conversations so that they waste yeah. less of their time <laughs> than yeah. we all collectively have. But yeah, I, you know, I don't know if that's really possible just because of the nature of you know dating and growing up or whatever. So <laughs> there's that. Yeah, but I just. But I definitely agree that we that these conversations need to happen and we need to move away. Like, I understand privacy, but I think sometimes you're right, it can get to, I don't know, information is important and sharing and sharing experience and, like, you know, educating ourselves and each other and our, and our kids and, and younger people about that is so important. And it, I guess it's just about that balance because I'm quite a private yeah. person as well, yeah. but I think there you know there's some bits that yeah you don't need to overshare but there's definitely some conversations that need to be had and let's be open because someone else might be going through the same or you know won't know you're going to educate them in a different you know it's just yeah it's it's important to talk and share it's like that um it's relating it's being able to relate through our experiences like you too that's where the me too movement came from as well yes exactly exactly and that that's a really good example of most of us it's like if you're a woman i have to assume at some point someone has done something inappropriate that you perhaps were not equipped to handle or even if you are equipped to handle like you couldn't prevent it so yeah and we shared in that. And all you had to say was me too. Like you didn't have to go into detail exactly. about what happened. You didn't have to yeah. surprise yourself or whatever, whatever. Yeah. So. And that was so powerful. Yes. Yes. Yeah. 
And so I'm hoping that Black women, that we have more of these moments, these kind of moments where we're able to relate safely. Um, Yeah. And I think that definitely comes with, you know, cultivating community Mm -hmm. and spaces where these conversations can happen. Yeah, Yeah. because the internet is big. If you, you know... (laughs) are in the wrong circles or what have you and somebody tweets something and somebody gets a hold yeah. of it and it catches fire and there's a pile oh, gosh. of gosh. Yeah. You getting the death threats and all this other crazy stuff. Um yeah. like stuff like that can happen so fast. And if you do not have support, if you don't if you don't aren't in a good space, that could like really take you out. Yeah. So true. Yeah. But I did notice Elvis, yeah. <laughs> that yeah. you are extremely <laughs> private. So what I do is I do my little super sleuth thing when I talk right. to the girl. And like yeah. you have your Twitter and you've just started that. I couldn't find an Instagram. I couldn't find a LinkedIn girl, not a Facebook. All I had, all I had was your blog post. I don't exist. <laughs> no, basically don't. Um, I just saw like one little blurb of you working for the Children <laughs> Family Services of Hackney and like, that's yeah yeah wow even that you found how did you manage to find that that's some detective work right there (laughs) it's not that deep it's i'm not that brilliant it's just google (laughs) yeah um is is yeah so i am yeah sorry i was just saying is that intentional yeah so i think i am i am generally quite a private person and i'm i'm not really i think yeah i'm not really too big on social media and kind of posting and getting involved with that because I was you know I think I was I was definitely involved in the when Facebook came out and all these Instagrams and Snapchat stuff I was definitely in it before and then I just kind of realized it doesn't really bring me much joy and why am I on it and so I deleted all my accounts um and then it was only I guess when I just kind of started traveling and having all these experiences and also like dating and and my experiences of working that my friends were kind of like do you know what you have some really interesting stories um that you need to share you need to you need to start connecting with people and I was kind of like oh yeah but I do because I've got some really useful tips and some really interesting points that I'd like to hear about and connect with, with other people and share but I don't really know if I want to put myself out there in that way. So I think that's why there's not much about me because I'm literally just kind of getting comfortable with the idea of, okay, um, why am I really doing this? And am I ready to kind of get involved? But it's been, it's been, you know, I am starting slowly and I am on Twitter now and kind of connecting with other people is really um, powerful and coming across like other, uh, you know, recently I came across other British black female disabled um, duo who I actually CC'd in in my reply to you on Twitter. And it was so powerful and amazing because I'd never seen other people that were similar to me, the people I tended to follow and kind of get that support from in terms of how they're living their life and their travel experience have tended to be quite white British, which is, you know, which is great. But to just see someone, some other people that look like me has been really powerful. And I think, wow, I'd really want to be, I want to be part of that. I want someone else to be 
Googling, you know, black solo disabled traveler and, you know, that someone pops up and it's like, oh, wow, okay. They've got stuff, a lot of stuff that I can relate to. So it's always tended to be, you know, like with intersectionality and having, being a woman, being black and being disabled, finding those three combos exactly is really difficult. So it's tended to be just women or just black women, but without disability or white women with a disability, but not quite three that really relate to me. Well, thank you. Thank you on behalf <laughs> of all of us for stepping out of the shadows. Although I'm sure, was, I'm sure it was peaceful there. <laughs> <laughs> Very peaceful and no, calm. That's really powerful for you to say social media doesn't make me happy. I'm over it mm-hmm. and to like disengage. I bet you there are so yeah. many people that wish that they could take their time back in that, in that way, but they just like don't. Because like, I guess fear missing out or whatever. Yeah, that FOMO is real. And I know <laughs> a lot of people suffer and the pressure as well. Like a lot of my friends are like, oh no, look, you're missing out on this. You'd really join, truly get back on it. And it's really difficult. I think, yeah, once you set your mind to it and you know your boundaries and what's healthy and what, what feeds your soul and your energy, then, you know, do what works for you. And that works for me for now. Well, we look forward to the things that you have to share when you want to share them. Um, yeah. I love that. I love I love it when people don't see themselves and they then they take the time to put themselves out there so that other people yeah. can find them. Because there are absolutely other people just like you. Yeah. Um, like, I remember when I was doing my research. Um, so I've yeah. been traveling for, like, the last four years or so. Okay. Um, working and traveling um, in various kind of ways. And yeah. like one of the only people that I saw was Glow um, mm-hmm. and Onika. Yeah. And all these other like quote unquote digital nomads, all these people that worked online and traveled and all this research that I was doing, like I didn't see other black women. Yeah. And so that's what I did as well. That's That's how everything started coming together yeah. was yeah. trying to connect and create community around this topic mm-hmm. of black mm-hmm. of being black of being a woman of, of yeah. traveling yeah so tell me lv um you say that when you are traveling you do a bunch of research so you try to find out if other disabled travelers have gone there, but everybody doesn't have the same disability. Yeah. So how do you, how are you able to find the information that you really need? Yeah. So um, obviously like everyone these days, Google is, seems to be the Bible. Um, So I tend to kind of, I guess for me, the difficulty was I could find disabled travelers who for example were wheelchair users and I specify and hone in on like okay disabled travel in Singapore disabled travel in Malta you know wheelchair access in you know those kind of google searches and then um different things will pop up but I guess for me what was kind of missing and why I felt I needed to share was that I could sometimes find information 
from other people who had traveled in terms of what who they used to travel with what airport transfer what hotel was good their experience generally but there was like i said because disability is so varied i didn't understand in a lot of them how much support they then needed so some people are very for example manual wheelchair users who who can push themselves are you know still quite able and can self-transfer for example or um still somehow manage steps like i've seen some people do it they can kind of propel themselves up or sit on a step and then drag their wheelchair up so they can still kind of manage and then there's some people who for example i've googled who have what well, i have muscular dystrophy but their caring needs are much higher so then they travel with a carer who will support them and i felt like in a lot of these posts that difference is not very clear whereas i'm kind of a very much in between i can travel by myself and um if you know i've done enough research and and kind of planned ahead but the little detail about barriers people might face in terms of like the bed is too low or there weren't rail handles which will then impact my experience that's not really included and i feel like when i do my post i want to really make it clear you know i was able to sit up on this because this handrail was there or my actual ability is for this level and i am able to self transfer if this, you know like those little finer details that can really make a difference and tell me for example if i can travel to that place on my own or stay in that hotel on my own or actually i'd be much safer with a friend it was missing so it was very general in terms of like these are the accessible attractions this is accessible travel but the finer detail of the physicality i thought was always missing so um yeah i think just kind of to answer your question just researching multiple stories and blogs there are few and they they are getting more and more um yeah it just helps and then sometimes they link to other people who you know they like as well so it's it's always kind of like a chain um and just kind of gathering that that research together is really important and i think also trusting my gut so like i'm really into traveling far east asia and thailand and and and, and you know bali and all these places and when i've researched it i've kind of found blogs that are i've not traveled here but this is what i've been told about it and it's like oh i'm not really convinced that I can go to that place and be okay so i think also just trusting my gut and and really assessing the quality of people's feedback is really important and a lot of that is like mobility in and of itself so um for example a train station and i saw in your blog you mentioned like having to ask uh if the exiting train station lift is working um mm-hmm. whether public transportation because that's how you prefer to get around to yeah. from like a yeah. like a local experience if the public transportation yeah. is um accessible for you yeah um yeah. you'll check accessible taxis in case like you don't have time yeah. for public transport cuz like we just don't yeah <laughs> always have time and sometimes you're there really late and the last thing you want to yeah. do is to get on a on a bus yeah 
on your yeah so account. definitely like the the official stuff you know you can normally find most countries have like disabled access guides or you know information for travelers with disabilities so the general like what their society the setup is over there you can normally find that on um their website but actually a funny story was not funny but scary but i somehow managed was when i kind of had this moment of like not existential crisis but i was kind of going through a phase of like what am i doing here and who am i and i really need to explore and challenge myself i kind of booked this two-week trip a uh, trip to um scandinavia so i i bought an interrail in 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 europe you can buy interrail passes and then you can kind of travel in between european countries via train and so i was like you know what forget about it i'm just going to book it and go for it and so i booked this ticket and sometimes like cheap tickets just are you know you need to be careful and ended up going to denmark but not copenhagen and ended up landing in some really random far airport that I had just no idea it was just my mistake and ignorance and I ended up in like an I it was still Denmark but it was like an island away from the mainland and then I'd have to get a train from that little island to Copenhagen where my hostel was and this was the first time I was solo traveling really petrified and I get onto the trains this the, you know the um, kind of told um this is the train to get to when i get off the the coach transfer is not accessible but luckily the driver was really helpful and carried me on and some of the passengers helped as well and put my wheelchair away and when i got to the station they were like no you don't have a booking you need to make a um a special assistance booking at least 24 hours in advance and i was like oh crap so you do have a ramp there but it's just procedure and this is when i talk again about society not being adapt you know adapting to your needs there's a visible ramp but just because i didn't sign a form or declare this 24 hours in advance you're saying i can't travel and so i was like i'm not going to sleep in a train station in a city i've never been to i you know it's cold i have no idea what the hell is going on it is just so scary and it was again you know i don't know lack of research or i just found myself in this situation and I, and i had to think what am i going to do I am definitely not sleeping here and I just approached three men with my heavy electric wheelchair which is so heavy and the train had like three steps and I was like guys I'm really sorry but can you carry my chair and me up and it was just I would never normally do that but I thought I just have to have faith in humanity and I have to go with the flow and 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 they did and they got me on the train and the train person came and was furious that I didn't have a booking but still managed to get on the train and she was like well I don't know if we can get you off on the other side you haven't got a booking and but they still did because they didn't have an option they weren't going to leave me on a train to sleep on a train um so yeah that was that was really a scary experience but somehow came skated through the other side okay and it's hard i think not to uh like beat yourself up or like feel guilty about those things sometimes um because it's just yeah. like oh well this was preventable if i had just done this or that but like they absolutely didn't have to <laughs> to add on like dog pilot to like oh you should have booking you should have booking 
I don't know. Yeah, I just, and that's what I think. I think some things, a lot of these procedures are so unnecessary and just make life unnecessarily difficult. If, you know, a little piece of board can just be put down and it solves a problem, I don't see what the issue is if the member of staff is trained and, you know, all that stuff. It's like they make some things just such a big deal when it really shouldn't be. And like, you don't have to treat people like that. You just don't. Hi, I didn't make yeah. a booking. I'm human. And this happened. Yeah. So let's figure it out. Exactly. Out my face. <laughs> like, yeah. but sometimes it's hard to advocate for yourself as well. Because like, yeah. depending on what culture you yeah. identify with, a lot of people have problem taking up space in that way. <laughs> you yeah. know what I mean? That's so true. That and and like being very British now, British people quite apologetic and like, oh, yeah, I'm sorry okay, to be yeah. pain and I'm sorry about this and I'm sorry. Oh. And so it's like, no, don't be sorry. Demand these <laughs> things. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, girl. You want your last minute trips too? That's difficult. I know. And so I mean, I can do. I can do like you know, last minute weekend trips and you can do that, but it's just they're spontaneous, like being spontaneous about certain things, you're not allowed to. And, you know, that's a shame, but I think sometimes you just got to pretend and play dumb. Right. Be like, I really have no idea. Yeah. Can we just carry on anyway? Because, <laughs> you know, you're going to miss out. You can't always just right. give up and be like, oh, no, okay, then so I'm going to go back to my hotel. Right. No, just be like, okay, so I'm really sorry, but what can we do about it? Right. Okay, well, yeah. we're here now. I understand yeah. <laughs> that for future reference. What can we do now? Some people are really... Yeah. I think um, it's like a mindset thing. I guess it's like a cultural thing as well. Some people just have it in their minds, like particularly in Asia, there's so much yeah. inflexibility. It's just like, hey, can I have hot water yeah. with lemon? They're like, no. Okay, but you have hot water, yes. And you yeah. have lemon, yes. Yeah, and you have lemon. <laughs> but there's no button for that. Can they don't have a button for that. So it's like... <laughs> No, my boss yeah. is going to get angry with me if I give you something that's not. Yeah, on. Amsterdam was very much the same for me. So it was yeah, like, that's why really, I They really like the order. Yes, yeah. yes, yes. Yeah. Um, so where where all have you been? Um, so I've been quite to quite a few countries in Europe. So normally the usual like Spain, I um. Portugal, Italy, France, Belgium. Um, I really liked, I've been to like Egypt, um, Turkey. I really liked Singapore. I went to visit a friend um, working in Singapore um, and that was a really good experience. Um, I've been to America, New York. Yes, and Fran has mentioned in Las Vegas. So yeah, a few places, but I really want to go. I wanted to go to, Japan this year but coronavirus hit so I'm kind of like oh I don't know I need to maybe just wait and see how things go but I yeah so Singapore I think was has been my favorite and also when I did the Scandinavia solo thing um Norway was just amazing there was this long 
train ride from um, Oslo to Bergen. And I just heard so much about it, how beautiful and scenic it is. And I literally had goosebumps. I could not believe the scenery and just how small I felt because there was just so much to see. And it was like if someone, there was like forests and waterfalls and rivers. And I was like, if someone dropped me in, like, in the middle of that forest, like I'd never be found. It was just really amazing to just see how big the world is. And you kind of forget that when you don't travel. It's easy too. It's very easy. Uh, something yeah. about like our home lives keep us really occupied and busy and yeah. tired. <laughs> just be tired. Oh, they're, yes. they're always like treat your hometown like be a be a visitor in your hometown. And you're just like, child, I'm tired. I just want to go to bed. I haven't got the time. Yeah, I don't. <laughs> I, will, I will travel when I leave here. <laughs> yeah, yeah uh, so true. So, did your family? So you moved from Kenya to the UK when you were 12, but did your family do much traveling before that? Like, did you have experience with them? Um, not much with my family. So I remember like one, I think like travel in places like Kenya as well is like quite a luxury that I think a lot of people um, can't have. Um, but I do remember one, I think it's probably my, one of my best memories one family um, vacation, we went to like the seaside, the coast, um, which is called Mombasa, which is like the most beautiful beaches I've ever seen to this day. Um, and it's a really popular tourist destination anyway, generally. Um, and that was our first family like vacation that I remember that was just so um, peaceful and fun. And I was really young. So it was, it was just, it's just a fond memory, but I, I kind of feel like, oh, I really wish I, especially now when I look at prices to go back and how expensive it is. And I'm like, wow, I really wish I, I guess you're young and you can't, but I wish I really enjoyed that moment more, really like took it in and absorbed it to carry with me. Um, but other than that, it, we didn't really get to travel much as a family. I think majority of my travel has happened when I've become like financially independent and, and been able to pursue it myself, in my own time, my own money sort of thing. How do your friends and your family um, take you traveling? Like, especially when you solo travel? I think every, I think my, my family are always super supportive. They're like, they know how um, independent I like to be and how much I like to challenge myself. and especially with the solo travel, they would, they were just like, yeah, go for it, you know, have fun, be careful. They were very, very supportive. But my friends were quite the opposite. They were a bit like, are you sure? Like really, really scared for me. Um, and that was, I don't know why they were, but yeah, that was interesting. But it was one of those, like, I'm not going to, I appreciate your concern, but I won't take on your anxiety. Um, so I really had to do a lot of, um, I really have to have, I had to have a lot of conversations with myself about remembering to ask for help and having faith in humanity. That's why I just kept chanting to myself, have faith in humanity. If you find yourself, uh, yourself in a situation where you're physically struggling or stranded or unsure, just have faith in humanity and ask for help. It's okay. There's no shame, but you'll be fine. No matter what happens, 
you know, like I always have to have a plan. Worst case scenario, you can fly back home. So it was, yeah, I had the support from family, but I just had to bear in mind, don't take on other people's anxiety about, can you really do it? Are you really going to be safe? So I know it's like not a comprehensive history of your life that we've had, but it seems like people in general have been nice to you. So where does this not having faith in humanity come from? I don't, I don't, I think because, I don't know. I think um, I've kind of tried to go, because of having a disability, you kind of tend to need some support with things like carrying heavy stuff or if you're moving. And I think I've gone to the extreme end of trying to be so independent that I'd rather struggle for three hours than ask for help, which will take 20 minutes to, you know, and just the idea that, I don't know, people are too busy or I don't want to waste people's time. And so that's why I had to kind of talk to myself, like I think in humanity that people want to help, that people are available, that people, you know, you can rely on people. Stop trying to be this solo I don't need anyone. I can do it all by myself. Just have faith that people will help you. So it was more about me than a bad experience. It was just my coping mechanism with accepting my disability and that whole process. Yeah. So with it being about you, wouldn't it be more have faith that you're strong enough, but just in this moment, it's okay to ask for help. It's not necessarily that people won't help you. It's that you don't get permission to ask for help yeah but you know when you're going through that you don't really you don't think that you're the issue <laughs> you're kind of like no it's not me We're not the issue. <laughs> three hours later even though I could have asked someone and he would have taken three hours later it's not me it's just that everyone else is too busy so it's totally my fault and I fully recognize that now <laughs> Um, so what is it like dating? Have you tried to date? Like, are you a Tinder user? Do you swipe when you're traveling? (laughs) (laughs) I haven't. I do date. I'm on a break right now because I just, I've started a new job and yeah, I just want to focus on that right now. But I have, I have dated. And I think one of the things I also want to include in my blog is the different funny stories. Um, around dating yeah with a disability and the funny comments you get or the experiences you have um I haven't found anyone special I met a few nice people but you know how dating is now modern times and swiping and yeah but I haven't done it traveling I feel like I've never been in a place long enough to I don't know. Do people do it? I need to read up on it. People Absolutely. People travel specifically to hook up. <laughs> oh, wow. I need to read up on this, clearly. Yeah. So what they do is, I think you have to pay for it on, well, I don't really know which apps. Maybe I just heard. I think it's Tinder. So you pay for whatever that lets you place yourself somewhere else and you start right. Before you get there, so when you get there, maybe you have a oh, it's all set up by the time you get there. So you're not there, you know, doing it all of a sudden. <laughs> That's what wow. I wow. 
I've given that stuff up long ago, but yeah. Oh, wow. Times have changed. It'll be developments. <laughs> haven't they? Yeah. Um, I wanted to ask you about um, traveling as a woman, traveling as a Black woman. Do you think that yeah. it's impacted your experience being a disabled person? Has that impacted your travel experience and how, if you think so? <clears throat> Yeah, I think um, just being cautious about where I go and definitely being aware that I'm a woman in the spaces I'm in and being sensible, like I think all most, you know, women travellers um, look out for. Like I've, for example, once or when I was in Norway, I went to this hostel and the way to the hostel and when I got there, I was just like, I am not staying here because I I just don't feel safe. That my my gut feeling was this as a woman, this is not really a safe space to be in. I don't trust the, you know, how this looks, how this feels. And I've done that a, a few times where I've gone somewhere and thought, yeah, there's too many dodgy looking men. I don't want to be here. And I've gone and booked somewhere else. Luckily, I've been able to have a backup kind of plan in case in case that happens and that's something I always do consider and try to research um about and also what's happening in the country like racially um I know like I really wanted to go to Budapest in Hungary and I'd done my research about like politically what this was like maybe a year and a half ago and I just kind of did my research about what was going on and there was a lot of issues about immigration and and the far right movement. And, you know, it just kind of made me think twice about going and then I ended up not going. So I think the decision, and obviously like I've discussed about access, the decision about where I go is very heavily influenced by that. But I think once I have traveled to places, I haven't noticed or kind of experienced any negativity I think based on being a woman or or my race I think the one experience I can think of was a school trip I went to in Germany I can't remember where it was but in Germany it was somewhere in the south it was a really rural area and I was about I was quite young I was maybe like my early teens 14 13 and we were on a school trip and we'd kind of been told to go and explore this little town and it was myself and a group, my friends, they were all like Asian boys. It was like three, four of them and just me and the other groups had gone off and we were just walking around and the, the looks and stares we got was like people were literally midway drinking their cup of tea, stopping and staring at us. And I think that was the only time I could remember really being conscious about, is it because we're all brown? Is it because... I didn't even think about my disability at that time. I just thought I'm just with a group of Asian boys and myself. And I just think these people have never seen people like this. And it was very uncomfortable. And it was kind of the whole time we were there. It was just very obvious that, yeah, it was new to them. So obviously that was quite a negative experience. We were really self-conscious. We were kind of, we didn't enjoy our time. But apart from that, I feel I, it's just been pleasant. Like people have been kind and helpful. 
I've made friends along the way that I'm still in touch with. Um, I think I'm always kind of anticipating a negative reaction, especially about my wheelchair. And but it's it's been it's been fed like people's attitudes generally are just so open and friendly and curious and it's it's been positive just yeah good like I've made a lot of connections and I can't really think of a negative experience that I've had and I'm I'm lucky and I touch wood that stays that way and that continues to be my experience but it's not necessarily so when I ask that question I say has it impacted how you travel or your experience travel and y'all just be digging for for negativity (laughs) that's not the question (laughs) it's just uh sometimes it's just like an awareness thing like you said um being somewhere and being made aware of yeah how you present or what have you (laughs) yeah so yeah in terms of like like yeah I, I see what you mean and like I guess like somewhere I really want to go is like Ethiopia because I feel like I'm always being confused as Ethiopian by Ethiopians. They always come up to me and be like, are you, are you Ethiopian? I'm like, no, I'm not. And I think, you know, I physically maybe look like them and I get that a lot. And that's really made me want to go there. I'm like, I really want to, I feel like I'm really have, I'm going to have a great connection. They're East African. I'm half East African as well. So in that sense, I feel like, there's that appeal that I want to travel and I really want to explore Africa as well in general. So yeah. Yes. Yes. (laughs) Especially since you were talking about, you know, your, some of your lovely childhood memories and like wanting to maybe reinvent those as an adult, really enjoy yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Do you have any like hobbies or interests? Um, yeah, I love, um, I do. I love, so London's got a lot going on, which is great. And they, they've got a lot of, I go to a lot of plays um, in theatre that not like the expensive, fancy, posh plays, the like local community type ones that are really affordable and really support untold stories so they i love plays that talk about identity of um black women mixed race women asian women um the muslim experience um the lgbt community i love i love love absolutely love plays like that so i do i'm always on the hunt for um things like that and i go to them a lot so in soho they do that a lot and in camden as well um which is a borough in london so uh, I love doing, I really feel like that feeds my soul. And I think it's really important to find things that give you that kind of energy. And I also love going to festivals um, and concerts. And I think I've done so much of that now. I feel like I've seen most people I want to see. And now I want to combine it with travel. So I want to go to like festivals and concerts, but out, outside of the country and in places that I've never been to before. So I want to combine my two loves. Have you ever wanted to act yourself? No, actually. I think, no, that would be quite scary. <laughs> I see you, like, sh- shrinking back. <laughs> I'm like, no, don't look at me. <laughs> That's really cool. Yeah. 
uh, do you have? I'd any- love, I'd love to like share my story, you know, in that sense, but not be in the spotlight. So you want to write the play, but have other actors? Yeah, possibly. I've never looked at it that way, but oh, um, yeah. what did you mean? Yeah, maybe. Yeah, I mean, yeah, just share my stories, and then if that, if all those experiences come together into like a play or something, then yeah, great. Why not? I'm open to it. Would there would there be dancing or a musical piece? Not like a musical, no. <laughs> or not Maybe a bit. musical, but like a musical <laughs> piece, like. Yeah, yeah, possibly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We definitely, definitely need some music in there. Okay. Speaking of music, uh, do you have yeah. any song lyrics or a poem that speaks to you these days? Um. A poem. Actually, I had a really bad day yesterday and my mom had bought me um, poems by uh, Maya Angelou. Um, so, Phenomenal Woman was really nice to read yesterday and it really lifted me. So, for now, I don't have a song lyric, but I just read that. I went over that yesterday and I just felt really fed and better. So speaking of um, self-care, I suppose you could say that is, like yeah. what, what are some of your self-care practices? Um, this is going to sound so British. We're having a cup of tea. <laughs> having a cup of tea is so soothing. It's just so having that moment to just stop and feel that warmth, I find really relaxing. Um, but I do a bit of meditation sometimes if I'm having a really bad day or week. Like I do tend to meditate before bed, um, like a sleep guided type thing. Um, and generally just finding time for myself. Like I think I do like being in my flat by myself, music in the background, being able to kind of say no to plans just to, make that time for myself is definitely my top self-care thing. What, what do you find like most challenging? In terms of? Your life. Oh, in life generally. Hmm. I think finding time for what feeds my soul I think like job that your job gets in the way all these errands and stuff that you need to do to achieve get in the way and I feel like prioritizing for like you know going back to travel I really feel a loss in having not prioritized that for this year, for example, because I'm thinking, okay, I've got a new job. I need to focus on fixing that before I make any plans or I'm trying to do this with my family. Let me prioritize that before I can travel. And I think I really heavily feel the consequence of that, i.e. I'm really missing out and I need to remove myself from this world and, and just enjoy travel and that time for myself. So I think yeah prioritizing that and not feeling guilty for it 
I didn't used to feel guilty for it before, but I don't know why I've started and I need to go back to that mindset of this is for me and my mental health and my happiness and I'm so much happier and better when I've made time for myself to travel and explore because I really, really do love it. It's interesting like that, uh, how we play the balance game. So it's like, okay, I really need to focus on this now and stop doing so much of this other stuff. But then you realize how much the other stuff helps you feel well and whole. I I like Absolutely. Yeah. I don't like the getting away from it. I like the coming back to it part <laughs> where you're able to like yeah. feel better. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, absolutely. Completely. Do you have anything that in particular that helps to make you feel grounded? Um at the moment I think my my therapist and my therapy sessions, I think I'm getting a lot of time to stop and reflect um, and understand my experiences, my reactions, how to cope better with stuff generally. So for that, I think that's really dominant for me right now in what helps me stay grounded. And when I don't have that, I try and do like a journal where I reflect. Um, But if I'm honest, I'm not really consistent with that. So for now, it's definitely been therapy that's been amazing. Is there anything in particular that um, made you seek out therapy? Um, so this is my second time going to therapy. The first time was in relation to my disability and just kind of wanting to embrace it and, um, yeah, just just kind of explore that and how I feel. And then this time around, it was kind of more race related and it was kind of my experience at work um and progression and kind of having to edit myself at work and being more aware of race in that environment and kind of how I feel and how to cope that definitely was why I went to therapy this time I was like I want a black female therapist who I don't have to worry about offending or having to explain fully my experience to who's going to get it and help me get things better. So that was definitely why I went back into therapy this time around. Work is also something that I think we're talking more and more about. Um, Yeah. It's really difficult. (laughs) It's really, really difficult. It can be in some environments too be yourself and to do the work that you're assigned to do because you're fielding all this other stuff left and right. It could be overwhelming. Yeah, absolutely. And I've, I've definitely had that in my work where, um, I can see a, a lack of progression and, you know, you've got this thing at work at the moment kind of about senior management diversity and, you know, diversity is quite a buzzword at the moment about how to improve it and stuff and I guess kind of seeing the impact of senior managers that look a certain way and make decisions uh, or basically all white making decisions about you know London is very diverse making decisions about um, kids who look nothing like them or families 
that look nothing like them and have a completely different experience has been really frustrating for me because I think we would save so much time, resource, energy, and be more useful to the community if we had people that understood them because they're from the community themselves and, you know, build that trust and, yeah, have more impact, basically. Um, So, yeah, and just kind of how to challenge that it's been a real challenge and how to maneuver yourself in that environment and have these conversations and not be labeled as that person that always talks about race always brings up race you know um yeah that's that's been really challenging and as well on top of that the experience of being disabled and you know when I said yesterday I had a really bad day at work it was because I have got a new job and I've moved to a new building and it's not accessible and talking by law, your employers have to make reasonable adjustments to make sure that disabled people can access um, the workplace and the default responses were always, no, but we can't do that. No, we can't do that. And it just got so overwhelming for me because it was like these responses are really not justified and it's, you know, it's people not being open. So I think for me, my experience of being black in that sense and then also having a disability and those two combined can be really heavy sometimes. So to have that outlet for me in terms of therapy has been really, really helpful. Absolutely. It, it, it can compound in that sense because it's like, mm-hmm. okay, well, not only is it this, then I have to also deal with this and this. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if you watch much TV. There's a show called Insecure. I love Insecure. I can't wait for the new season. <laughs> so what you said reminded me of where Issa worked at We Got Y'all. And it was like the white oh, yes. and the black kids. Yeah. And like all the staff yeah. was white. She was the only black yeah. Um Yeah. But it really... No, that's so funny you say that because I remember um, watching that and one of them asked her, what did they ask? They said, oh, Isa, what does on fleek mean? And she was like, I don't know. And then Isa's voice comes up and she's like, of course I know what it means. But love that, you know, like she's kind of the go-to black person. Yeah, she has to like represent all, you know, black people. And I remember I died with laughter when I saw that because immediately I remember when I joined um a team at work and uh, someone approached me and was like it's a British thing to be like oh what you say and it's quite like an urban type phrasing and they'd randomly come up to me and go oh so what you say and I was thinking I was like I don't know what do you mean like in my most poshest accent that I could formula I said like, I don't know what you mean what do you mean what do I mean and because it was like why do you just assume that you could approach me because I'm the black person in the team and start speaking to me in that way it was just I really 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 related to that scene with Issa it was brilliant yes yes and yes yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love how we just like trick them we're just like hmm yeah <laughs> and they have no idea I know what you're doing, bitch. (laughs) (laughs) But I'm going to take the high road because I don't have any today. (laughs) I'm just trying to pay my rent, okay? (laughs) Oh, my goodness. I love that so much. Yes, yes, and yes. (laughs) 
Um, when you do travel, uh, LV, how do you like to explore? Um, I definitely like, like you mentioned, t um, taking public transport. I love um, seeing the city in that way, like just the first impression. I like, uh, if possible, I like to, yeah, go by bus or train. Um, and then my go-to is always the free walking tours. I love a free walking tour. Um, and then obviously you pay them at the end, whatever price you think. But I just, I've found those really like a nice intro to a city because it tends to be people who've kind of lived there a little while and they give you all these tips about, oh, I like to go to this place with my friends or, you know, this place is actually really nice. So those are kind of the basic starting points. But having also just a general idea about what's popular. And I also try and find like unusual things that are not so touristy if possible, just by Google search, like, oh, what's really interesting that's not that well known. Um, and just kind of going with the flow. It's nice to have a sort of plan, but too much planning can just be a bit of a bore. So just finding a happy balance between those two. And how do you like to celebrate, like, in your life? Oh, that's a good question. How do I like to celebrate? How do I like to celebrate? I think just going out with friends and family. Um, I'm not one of those people that like treats myself to like clothes or I, you know, I don't know stuff. I don't celebrate in that way, but definitely spending time with people, bonding, laughing, going out. Yeah, it's definitely how I celebrate. And I always like to ask listeners, how can yeah. people support your work? Wait, wait, wait. I always like to ask guests to share with <laughs> listeners <laughs> how would you like to be supported? Yeah, so um, I guess go to elvisblog.com and just have a look and reach out, get in touch. And my Twitter, I think, is accessed by LV. I'm really bad, like I said. Um, so I'm not even sure what they are, but I'm pretty sure that's those where that's where you can find me. But yeah, if you can just tweet me uh or go and have a read and make any suggestions or comments, yeah, that would be great. I'm starting out as I said. Any tips, information you can give me throw my way, I would love that and just connect. That would be great. Well, I want to thank you so very much. I appreciate it you being so responsive on Twitter and for putting me on to um, the the ladies are actually a podcast host as well. Um, oh, okay. I've scheduled a time with one of them, so I'm really excited about that too. But um, um, yeah, you're starting off on the good foot, coming back into the digital world. <laughs> yeah. No, thank you so much for having me. Like this has been so so like needed and. Um, it's been a lovely conversation and I do lo I love your podcast. I listen to it regularly. It's, it's one of my things that I, you know, enjoy when I'm cooking or driving to work. So it's been so nice to have this conversation and reflect again on like my love for travel and what I want to do. And I kind of, it's always nice when you talk to like-minded people, because then I feel like you get that fire again of like, oh, I'm, you know what? I'm really going to look at something to book next. So yeah, so thank you. It's been so, so fun. 
I had no idea what to expect because there's no information online about you. <laughs> but you are just like really delightful and really thoughtful, perceptive. Um, yeah, you, you, uh, for a private person, you've shared like quite a bit. And I really appreciate that because like I said, I know it's not, it's not part of like people's traditions, tradition yeah. <laughs> to talk so much. So thank you. Yeah. Really no, it. thank you. <laughs> well, you have yourself a gorgeous day, Miss Elvie. Thank you. You too. Thank you. You take care. All right. Take care. Bye. 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 Bye.